Uh, Senator Sass, I appreciate your taking time on a very busy day. Hello, Michael. Good to be with you. Well, thank you. Uh, we loved your speech at the Reagan Library, your speech for the Time for Choosing uh, series. And what do you think are the most immediate priorities for Republicans like you in the Senate or in the House or just in the party in, in local positions toward bringing that more optimistic, collaborative, hopeful, a positive view of the American future. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe let's distinguish between policy proper and sort of the broader civics and historical understanding of who we are as a people. But in policy proper, it's the future of work and the future of war. I think in domestic policy, almost everything that matters is that we are seeing an end to lifelong work inside any one organization or any one sector for almost everybody. And we don't even know how to think about it, talk about it, reflect on it. But lots of people are feeling unstable because they know they're going to be disrupted at 30 and 35 and 40 years old, and pretending we're going to go back to the economy of 1952 isn't true. And so we should tackle the future of work as the number one domestic policy bundle of issues before us. But at a foreign policy level, obviously our long-term threat is the technology race with the Chinese Communist Party. And sort of a little bit paradoxically, I think that the future of work is also the heart of that foreign policy problem, which is we believe that a decentralized system of free people and free markets can actually navigate this, um, where the Chinese Communist Party is telling a lot of our sometimes allies that only a central planning uh, strongman, a big giant bureaucracy that squeezes all the freedom out of local communities and, and diversity of thought and entrepreneurial startup and effort, um, it, only central planning can solve this problem. They're wrong, but we need to put up and shut up and show people what it would look like for a free society to actually navigate all the fluid, disruptive time we're in. But all of those policy challenges are still just a subset of what Washington can get done or what Washington could conceivably lead on. And the American people need to remember a one-year-for-politics perspective, which is government matters, politics matter, it matters to maintain a framework for ordered liberty. We want the police to be strong enough to, to protect the neighborhood when you're walking home from a restaurant in the evening. Um, it is a common good for people to have public safety. Their government matters, but government is not the center. It can't be the center of your hope your dreams, your animosities, your loves. And right now what's happening, I think, is the vast majority of people are checking out of politics because a very small number of very weird, very online, very angry people, I think it's less than 2% of America, they dominate almost all the discourse. And so most politicians perform like jack wagons all the time because they presume that those 2% are representative of a broader country, and they're not. And so I think we should actually speak to 70% and 90% America. Well, that, that sounds like the way to go, and certainly the um, positive development. But I, I, I think about uh, today they're having primaries in uh, San Francisco uh, and, and L.A., and in both cities, homelessness is a huge issue. I, I know it's an issue in Omaha. It's got an issue everywhere. Yeah. Uh, how, how does this apply, what you just said about talking about the future of work, to actually doing something uh, to save our cities from these encampments everywhere. 
Yeah, so maybe I won't connect this one proximately to the future of work, but I would just recommend to your listeners the book San Francisco, uh, which I think is very interesting at segmenting the three parts of the homeless community, right? There are genuinely structurally poor um, homeless people who are dislocated. There are mentally ill people, and these are policy priorities that the government should tackle. But there are also a whole bunch of drug-addicted people, and if you don't have the right policies to stop drug trafficking, that's not a kind way to love your neighbor. That's a way to make these problems much, much worse. And I think what that book demonstrates, and I think there's tons of sociological uh, evidence uh, that this is the case, that a lot of these permissive policies of cities across the country, but especially on the West Coast, to just say, well, if, if there's a lot of homeless doing a lot of drugs, the main thing we should do is not want to do anything to have a strong arm in there actually says actually we the community are opposed to drug trafficking in these open spaces and by failing to do the most basic first principle stuff government should do it exacerbates this problem and it creates more and more communities of broken people being a magnet for other broken people getting addicted and losing control of the parts of their life where they should have had agency so i i think that uh, you know i don't i'm not a political pundit i'm not spending i've didn't plan to do this, uh, and I'm not going to spend my life in politics, so I don't pretend to know what's going to happen in those races and in the polling. Um, but my sense is the big middle of America is more sympathetic to the right than to the left, which is the left is so willing to be um, enabling of some of these destructive habits and practices. Your speech, which was so noteworthy, and again, we've posted our website at michaelmedved.com. I hope people will listen to it, uh, was about the importance of optimism uh, for Americans and certainly for conservatives uh, above all. What is necessary uh, in addition to the policies you're addressing now to change the mood of the nation? Big headline today, pessimistic mood deepens. This is in Wall Street Journal based on a new National Opinion Research Center poll. The most important step in the right direction? Yeah, I, mean, we, I want to bet on America. We need a rebuild agenda that, first and foremost, is dependent on the American people, not on government. We need a revival of American self-confidence. We need leaders who live and breathe that kind of self-confidence so we can inspire a generation of self-confident Americans and American families and American communities and American startups. Um, I'm, I'm a Republican because the party of Reagan um, has always been the best home for conservatism, and I'm a conservative because I believe in gratitude. And if you're grateful for the country we've inherited, um, we don't meekly shrink away from the global stage um, and these big challenges, we embrace leaders who have the strength to stand up to despots and who believe the American people are strong and don't want whining and grievance. Senator Ben Sass, uh, Senator from Nebraska, I so much appreciate your taking the time with us and congratulations again on your speech.